And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaker Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscal, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Al Baby Cakes, aka Al Kula Baby Cakes, and I'm joined as always. On Wednesdays or Tuesday nights by Michele Berra. Michele, what's going on? Yeah, this is a regular podcast. Me waking up at, I don't know, 5.45 and just... Is that how early it is? Yeah, it's 6.10 right now. Do you wake up early to read all those books behind you? You got so many books. uh, books. No, No, these are, I think, Laura's school books. Um, She's a teacher, so... Most of the stuff are like textbooks. Um, no, I usually run at this time, so it's uh, it's okay. My voice is a little bit shaky. My mind is not ready for the day, but hey, let's go. If you're wondering where Andrew is, uh, he is not on his way, but he's close to being on his way to the draft in Brooklyn. And so he wow. let me and Michele do our own podcast about the draft and we've got scuttlebutt we've got shooting uh, statistics we, we're going to talk about the the green room invites we've got a lot of stuff to talk about in fact how nice of it or how nice of mark stein was it to uh he, he introduced some scuttlebutt we won't get to it yet but some scuttlebutt just before we started recording how nice was that um so uh Michele, are you ready to jump in Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Um, um, so I've done something. I'm hoping this is going to work. I'm going to share my screen so that if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening, it, no big deal. It's, it's going to sound the exact same, but if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see the things that we're talking about. Um, now I'm going to say them out loud as well, but you know, it might be, a, it might be a little more interactive that way. So here we go. Starting off with, can you see that? Great. Oh Yeah. Okay, we're starting off with uh, Jonathan Gavoni tweeted today that there have been 25 green room invites. Now, just because they invite these 25 guys doesn't mean that these 25 guys are going to be the first 25 picks, although they did happen to be the first 25 picks in ESPN's latest mock draft. Mm -hmm. Um, A few things stuck out, which is why I wanted to to bring this up. One, no Leonard Miller. In the top yeah, which I was a little surprised by. Were you surprised by that? Yeah, I, it's kind of surprising uh, to me because it, I mean, 
I'm not sold on him being uh, a lottery pick. Um, he is, if everything breaks right with his shooting, he can be a great pick there. Like he's an energetic guy. Um, from all the intel that Sam Vecini and others got, he's a guy that really wants to learn and actually is able to. Um, but I mean, the shooting is a big, big question and the passing is not there. So again, to me, Lottery was always a little bit too high for him. Uh, not seeing the top 25, though, that that seems a little bit weird to me. And some of the other names that didn't make the invite list that people were like, huh? About uh, Brace Sensabaugh. Which mm-hmm. some, some people really like him. He was not, not on the invite list. Not terribly surprised. Uh, yeah, I wasn't super surprised by that. I'm not a huge Sensabaugh fan, but uh, some people were very surprised by that. And then um, uh, Max Lewis, also not included on the list. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it seems like every year we get to this point of the Thunder's draft. You know, we're looking at the invite list. We already have the guys that we think they're going to pick. If you had to go with someone, mostly probably towards the end of this list, that you could imagine them taking that we haven't really talked about a lot this draft cycle, who do you think would be the most obvious pick? Um, the last name showed on your screen uh, is a... Uh, is, is, <laughs> Uh, I mean, we we actually talked about about Ryan Rupert at the beginning of our draft coverage. Because um, back least, then, people were talking. To, I mean, in fact, I think Vecini might have had him in the lottery at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He was definitely in the lottery in yeah. Thunder range for I would say a good chunk of the year. Um, he had good moments uh, in the NBL. He He's a thundery player, not just because the friendship with the uh, um, 7-7 point guard Usman Jeng. Um, Keeps going. I mean, yeah, I made really, like, really. I, I should use Twitter better. But anyway. Um, but, but also because, I mean, you see, like, a 6-7 wing uh, that can really defend at a high level. And he has been in a situation where, Offense was not the primary thing. Um, I mean, I, I have my doubts on how uh, that team actually run runs often. So there is potential there. But then it was kind of the forgotten thing. Uh, there were there were like shiny toys to play with. I think in March and April, and he slided not be, because of the on court product or what he did, but just because other people rising like Bilal Kulibadi and, and guys like that. So I think that he is still a player that has some upside and I still think that teams like the Thunder are could be interested in... in could uh, potentially take. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, again, it's rich to me at 12. It's very rich. Um, and the fact that he was included on this yeah. makes me feel like something must be going on. I'm getting... I'm starting to get a little worried. I mean, yeah, we'll talk ourselves into him and everything, but if they just stay put at twelve and just drafted Rayon Rupair, uh, it would it would be a little bit of a, a deflated balloon feeling for me. Yeah, I was deflated uh, with Usman Jang last year, uh, especially yeah, like hearing the number of picks. Um, so far, uh, I am still deflated. Um, he can't. But, but there's a- always a chance you could be reinflated next year. Yes, big there summer. is. To, to an extent, um, I, I don't have a number in front of me. I 
I discussed it with Andrew on on Monday. Um, how many players, or maybe it was like uh, not on the podcast and earlier or after, um, how many players have really like not bad, but just so so rookie season and then so so year two and actually become real contributors slash starters? Yeah. There are players like that for sure. Um, is it likely? No. So having a subpar rookie season, it's not the greatest thing. We'll see next year. I mean, there are plenty of rookies that are just either great or terrible, and then this is not conducive to how they are the rest of their career. So year one is what it is. But for example, with Pokushevsky, I struggle to see any career path that has a guy like that being a super good starter. Based on his based on his rookie season, no, based on his first two three years in the league. So oh, yeah. you, you have time uh, after the rookie season to to prove yourself. Um, like, but but it's not like an infinite amount of time. Isaiah Joe is a good example. Very bad rookie season, uh, second season so so, and he is starting to to contribute at a role player level. That happens. So um, yeah, yeah, and and the other thing that is just now becoming a thing is we always used to talk for the last couple of years about how long of runways these guys were going to have yeah, because there were minutes to go around and it does feel like those runways may be shortening soon. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for, you know, the thunder waving a guy after two years or something like it feels yeah. like just because of the number of the picks they have that will happen eventually. And it'll feel like a shock in the moment, but it, it, there's another part of me that feels like that's probably inevitable just with the amount of young guys they have on the roster, you know, if they do want to bring over someone like Mitchich, for example, and they need a roster spot, it wouldn't shock me if, if they eventually wave someone after like two years or three years or whatever. Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, and we are thinking about the future treasure of draft assets that OKC has just in terms of drafting guys, which is probably the likeliest thing that they will do uh, with those assets. I think that there will be consolidations trades and trades that just bring in veterans and stuff like that in the future. So maybe uh, as early as 2024, they might draft one guy and use two picks on consolidating someone. Or they will do trades that send away a guy like Trey Mann to future first and get someone in. So I can see trades like that where you don't necessarily see players moving away after two, three years um, because of roster crunches. Like, they will not be cut, but they may be part of deals like Jeremy Lamb, for example. So I, th I think that this will happen, especially if OKC is good enough next year. Um, this will be surely a process that we'll see over the next few years. Um, pretty cool how I can do that, huh? That's awesome. This this would be actually the most shocking result <laughs> <laughs> if they traded up to five and drafted Rayon Rupert. Yeah, that that would that would shock me pretty good. Yeah, that that would be. Hey, we are so rich with assets that we can do whatever we want. <laughs> Say, okay, that's uh, that's a nice use of um, resources. I I guess. Um. So one thing you mentioned, a small little detail that I just wanted to to. Uh, focus on for a second. You mentioned the uh, picks that were sent off for Usman Jang. And one aspect of the recent Bradley Beal trade that I hadn't really thought about until I was listening to uh, a Trill Bro Dudes podcast 
is uh, that pick that we sent out for Usman Jang, which is now owned by the New York Knicks, which was a Wizards pick. And that is protected for the next three years. And I wasn't thinking about that pick anymore because the Thunder don't own it. But you kind of have to think if they're going to go into a full rebuild, maybe the chances of that conveying have actually gone down because it's unlikely that they're going to be in the playoffs anytime soon. On the other hand, the chances that that could convey as like a late lottery pick in 2026 may have gone up because I think in 2026, it's top eight protected. And yeah. who knows what the Wizards will be at that point. But just something to think about because I hadn't been thinking about that uh, pick in a while. Uh, next. Yeah. Now, this this happened. And shout out to Thunder Focus at Thunder Focus on Twitter. Always got all the scoops. And I can just go to his uh, timeline and look at them. Uh, okay. M- uh, Mark Stein reported that Paul George. And as I'm reading this, now that I'm looking at it, I'm realizing. Oh, it is. this is from Mark Stein. Okay. Mark Stein said, is it time to add Paul George's name to the conversation about who will be the next NBA star to relocate? Lillard's Trailblazers at number three in the draft and the star-searching Houston Rockets at number four, sources say, have been identified as potential trade partners if the Clippers decide they they indeed want to shake their roster up dramatically for the final season before the team moves to owner Steve Ballmer's sparkly new Intuit Dome in Inglewood, California for the 24-25 season. Lillard and George joined first as a bad, bad, bad. Um, but then he he went on to say that like the this is a real thing like the Clippers have been putting out feelers to at least gauge the trade interest in Paul George and what they could potentially get back for Paul George, which I I think is pretty interesting. I mean, a lot of people were like kind of surprised on Twitter. I th- I actually think it could make some sense, especially if we're talking about the number three or number four pick. Like if you could get that in a in a Paul George trade and you feel like we just don't want to run this back again, it's probably going to be harder to get a higher value asset than one of, you know, this number three or number four pick, especially obviously if Scoot falls to number three. Like to go into that new stadium with Scoot Henderson as like your main attraction, even if they're not like great by that point, I think that's like a decent outcome for all of this. Yeah, I mean, it's to me it's almost too rich for Paul George? Oh, I completely agree. If the Blazers did this, I would I would not be super... As much as I love Paul George, I think he's a really mm-hmm. good player. The injury concerns kind of going... I mean, I don't really count the broken leg because that was kind of a fluke thing. But going back to his OKC years, relatively recently, and then through these Clippers years, where he's dealt with injuries, and some of those you know, have been kind of freak accidents. Like the thing that happened this year when he, you know, he landed on Dort's foot and you know just messed up his knee or whatever that kind of stuff you know you don't want to say he's like injury prone but he does keep having injuries like this and if they traded the number three pick especially if scoot is there for paul george as if i was a blazers fan i would feel a little underwhelmed yeah acknowledging how good paul george is well pg probably is one of the best fits with dame um i think that he is um better player that than guys like Mikhail Bridges uh, or guys like that that might be available today in terms of peak talent and yeah. like just size to put alongside Dame. I think that that would be an awesome fit. But again, uh, I mean, the fact that you, you don't have recent years where you actually provide 70 games of value 
this is scary to me. Like it's surely part of the conversation. Like number three pick is someone that will likely give you, uh, if everything goes well, um, 70, 80 games of real talent for the next nine years. You, you use that to draft a guy that may have a couple of good years, three, three, four years with like 50 games per year. Like it's 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 a uh, it's a shaky proposition, even if it's sixty. Like it's, I would be scared. Um, for the Clippers, it makes sense. Uh, I mean, reworking that and saying, okay, we we just trade away Paul George. Uh, we find a way to to use that trade to take in maybe Chris Paul. Um, we run it back. We retool around Kawhi, and we are ready uh, if Kawhi goes away to just in the first season uh, that we go in Inglewood being a terrible lottery team again. So that's uh, that's actually a good way to position yourself <laughs> um, in, in a weird way if you're like a Steel Bowmer team because like if they trade away Paul George, even if they get the number three pick, is this a championship team? I would say no. If they use the number three pick to get another asset, okay, but who? Yeah, and at that point, is it going to be? It, it's hard to imagine it would be someone better than Paul George because if that were the case, then Portland would have just traded for that player. Exactly. Yeah. And the, the other thing, Paul George is for me sneaky old. The fact that he is thirty three already, he's going into what could be the final year of his deal because he has forty five million next year, and then he has a player option for forty eight million the following year. That that's the other reason why. Actually, that's the main reason why I would freak out if I were a Blazers fan. Trading for anyone who is essentially on an expiring deal, if he you know chooses to opt out next summer, you obviously can't have any guarantees that he's going to sign a new deal. Yeah. And do you really want to sign a long-term deal with 34-year-old Paul George? So I think this is really interesting, but uh, I, I just can't... It, this just came out, so I haven't really formulated the Paul George trade that makes sense in my head yet. No, um, but sticking with the tweet... Like number four is a different beast. Like there is a, a huge drop between the value of a scoot, uh, if he's there, or Brandon Miller. If oh, if it's scoot, by the way, Brandon Miller has, I think, a little bit of a different value in my head than scoot. Um, number four, it's different. Like if Houston want to center a trade around PG, um, maybe getting in some way other things uh along the way which i don't know right now what they can be this is still rich to me but it's different it will be a tragedy in the court but it's different like i can see houston going that route um it's 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 a mess um but it's uh it's it will be less surprising than the Clippers doing something like that or the Blazers doing something like that i would, yeah. I would do it if i'm the Clippers uh if uh if I feel that this partnership is not going anywhere and if Kawhi is salty about running it back as is. Um, and I wonder surprising. if you could get something extra. I'm, I'm assuming you would get something extra from Houston. Like, do you think it would be a just straight up four for PG trade? Cause they could just absorb his contract. Do you, would, some, like, do you think that they need something else? I mean, if they I was can the get something else probably. Yeah, I, I would try to get uh, try to get another young guy. Yeah, I'm really just wanting. I, I would like Houston to make this sort of a trade. Yeah, 
Yeah, me too. It would be actually terrible for them. Yeah. But um, yeah, but four seems to me it's um, it's still like a nice return for for PG um, if they can get somehow a guy like I don't know Jabari Smith. Um, yeah. Sure, let's let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, considering we're talking about an expiring contract of a of a thirty three year old very good player, we're talking about you know a number three or number four pick, that does sound like a pretty good return if they yeah. were able to pull that off. Yeah, uh, I just wanted to include this real quick since we're talking about Paul George. So this is in Jake Fisher's article from Yahoo, and it's talking about Tyus Jones because the Grizzlies people are saying that uh, you know Tyus Jones is out there on the trade market because he's he would like to be a starting point guard somewhere which he could be for the first 25 games uh, for the Grizzlies next season. But they're trying to help him find uh, a starting spot in the league while my while Memphis has prioritized upgrading the team's wing depth. So that just made me think, oh, could, could Memphis be a potential suitor for Paul George? Because we, we know that they offered the four picks for Mikael Bridges. Mm-hmm. I feel like there have been rumors about them and OG Ananobi in the past. Yeah, yeah. Would this yes. be a way for them to kind of do that at maybe a cheaper price? I know we were just talking about trading Paul George for the third and fourth pick or yeah. fourth pick, but maybe the the reality of the market for Paul George would actually make more sense for Memphis in terms of what they would have to give up. He he would fit there um, in terms of on-court product for sure. Uh, probably Memphis has a lot of picks in the future that they can use. I don't know how many uh, from the top of my head. Um, Salary-wise, I know they 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 would probably need to include someone like Stephen Adams to make it work. Yeah, probably. Um, which I don't hate the idea of having Chris Paul, Stephen Adams, and uh, and Kawhi. They can all play forty-five games and be happy. Um, uh, for a season, but 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 yeah, I mean, again, I I struggle to see the value for the Clippers if it's not something like uh, a fantastic offer. I mean, I, I I think that Memphis can get you something nice, but not something that really helped you, like being competitive or being ready to to hit the reset button. Um, again, the, the number three or number four peak are picks that you say, okay. Let's see if these guys are really good and we can have another run. Um, and if nothing works, then we are really ready to, to hit the reset <laughs> button and, uh, and have like a couple of years where we might get the number one pick. And well, we, uh, they actually can't because OKC owns. Everything. Yeah. Until 27, 27. Yeah. That's what they got. Yeah, which is, for. which is also the weird thing. Like they, they can't really, uh, go that route. Um, in twenty four, twenty five. So um, I don't know. It's it's curious that they are trying to to move Paul George. Maybe they can trade Paul George with the Heat. That is something that I can see, uh, like getting Tyler Hero and maybe something in the future. A couple of well, they don't have many young guys to to, to offer. But this is a way to retooling with young guys uh, and see if works better. Um, what but do you again. think about? Because um, I've been thinking about Memphis's kind of team building over these last couple of years, because uh, a lot of people have held, held them up as like a very good example of a, a way a small market should build. They've really focused on the draft, mm-hmm. um, maybe to a fault last year when they brought in four rookies, and you start seeing this pattern now over these last couple summers of kind of shedding veteran veterans, like good, still still good veterans, whether it's like Kyle Anderson. 
Uh, DeAnthony Melton, who was still young at that point. Now Tyus Jones appears to be leaving. Dylan Brooks, who, you know, I know, I know Dylan Brooks, yeah. but still losing him. I mean, that's those are four pretty like quality vets that they've just lost over these last couple years um, and haven't gotten a ton in return necessarily. I mean, we'll see what happens with Tyus Jones. Uh, I just I just think it's kind of interesting. Like they seem to be getting younger and younger and younger as they've made this ascent up the Western Conference. And like eventually some of these young guys have to hit. Like yeah. just have to turn into the value that Kyle Anderson was. You know, I'm not talking about like an all-star player. Like you some of these guys have to just turn into functional NBA role players. And I do wonder, especially with the jaw suspension next year, if we do see the Grizzlies pull back a little bit. Because it feels like they had been making this steady ascent, and then everything got kind of got thrown off this season for a vi- variety of reasons. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm very interested to see how next year goes because it feels like they just keep getting younger. Yeah, and this is to a, to an extent what Denver did, but they did it more. They did it better. Like um, in a small market, you really need to be aware of how much and when you pay your own guys. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and you need to see if there is value in the market or value in the draft to replace those guys. So I think that this strategy is something that you need to use, that OKC will need to use. Uh, and OKC will need to be super mindful about like what kind of contract can a guy like, let's not talk about the main guys because, I mean, Memphis took care of that. Uh, but just guys in the fringes like, Pokushevsky next year. What is the contract to give him? Um, what is the contract that? What, what is, answer, him? answer, Mikey. What is the contract you personally would give? Is there a contract right now? My answer would be: Is there a contract that you uh, probably like something? It's weird because okay, see, like it's it's unlikely. It it, it almost never happens. Okay, see, gives out a contract to a rookie, um, a guy on a rookie scale deal that is not something great like they are likely to yeah like a smaller deal yeah Yeah. uh i'm not sure if kenrich qualifies for that it was not like a standard rookie extension it's it's uh and he's an old rookie so at some point the process of getting younger or removing some draft picks to um like malik beasley is an example for them but um there are many examples that I'm sure I'm not going to remember now, but they are cycle like cycling lean. Uh, there was a fly here. I, I, I see. There. I can see. Um, um, uh, so there, there is a process of shuffling guys that are not key players, which is healthy. Now, they, but you, as you mentioned, at some point you need to have the value of Kyle Anderson back, and you always have to think like, what is the value of of Kyle Anderson? I don't think that Kyle signed at a unreasonable market value so yeah it's those guys are keepers if you can keep a calendar some kind of guy at, at a reasonable a reasonable amount of money just do it mainly because he's a guy that it's very easy to trade um especially with the salary going up in the next few years so i would say that that move was really perplexing i know that you want to to, to give Jake Laravia and Roddy and whatever um, minutes to, or to Zaire Williams. But, but yeah, you need to be damn sure that they can have a chance and that Kyle is actually stopping you for having for exploring that chance, which I don't think it's true. Yeah, he signed a two-year $18 million deal 
with the Timberwolves, which is actually, you know, exactly what he made in his last two years in Memphis. Yeah, it's um, super reasonable. And he's, I think that Kyle is a player that, I mean, we have Kenrich, but like it's those guys are helpful. And I mean, they are probably also stabilizing whatever yeah. rookies you are trying to to develop. It's not guys that will handle, I don't know, 40 possessions a night and just say, okay, Jake or whatever, you can't touch the ball because it's mine. Like it's it's not like that. Uh also I didn't highlight this next sentence, but uh small forward Dylan Brooks is expected to sign elsewhere in free agency where Houston continues to be the destination most often mentioned for Brooks by league personnel. Great fit, don't you think? Love it. Yeah, sure. I, I absolutely love it. Um, they 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 are shy, so they need a gunner like him. And I feel like like Ime is going to like him because I mean he he really does go hard on the defensive end. So yeah. I, I I could see him getting thirty minutes a night. Like let's go. It's surely yeah. It's a it's a player that plays defense and <laughs> plays offense. Yes. Uh, uh, I mean yeah. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondering. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Um, okay, next. So th- this story was more about uh, Portland Dame and the fact that they haven't really found a deal they liked so far and that they were preparing right here. Portland is preparing what the team believes to be a compelling package for Miami to part with all defensive centerpiece 
Bam Adebayo. I am convinced that this is obviously made up or, or not made up, but like they know that Miami's not going to trade them. Bam. But that they're doing their due diligence for Dame to show him, Hey, we're trying. Like we, we had already heard the reports about them trying to get bridges. Mm -hmm. Those reports were like three weeks ago. And the reports yeah. were, uh, yeah, the nets aren't interested in Anthony Simons and the number three pick. And we knew that Dame really likes bridges. And then Dame went on that podcast and said, Bam's my guy. Miami, I would love to play in Miami if I had to go somewhere else. So now they're they're putting this out there that they're, you know, trying to get Bam. Hey when Dame, well, trying to bring Miami to you now. <laughs> yes. When I feel like what they're actually doing is recognizing the value of this pick the same way they did last year with Shaden Sharp, and they're just going to draft whoever's there and deal with the fallout. But they're laying all this like groundwork. So that because it is it is so weird out here in Portland, where like when so, when a lot of fans talk about Dame and the potential of him leaving, like no one really wants to be the person to break it up. No one really wants to be the reason why this ended. And mm -hmm. you could imagine, and I, I talked about this on Twitter a few weeks ago. Like you could imagine an alternate scenario where after Russ's MVP season, they don't make the Paul George trade. Like they just aren't able to get it done, and you could imagine a similar scenario where like the team is kind of stalling out. There's not like an obvious way for them to get better. Like that big star trade just never really happens. And there's, there's enough fans of Russ in Oklahoma city who don't really want to see him leave. And the team like doesn't want to be, you know, the ones to trade him away just randomly. Yeah. And I could, I could see, imagine this, a similar scenario happening in Oklahoma city. Now, I, I think that Presti probably would have traded Russ oh, yeah. at some point. Oh, yeah. Like, I, it's, it's obviously very different from Sam Presti, who's been here for over a decade, and Joe Cronin, who's only in his, like, you know, second year or whatever as a GM. But I, I, that, that's, like, my read on what this reporting is actually about. And then you get Brian Windhorst, who goes on ESPN, said, Blazers have started to indicate they won't trade the number three pick. So I, Brian Winters talking about himself, checked in with Lillard's side of things, and I was told unequivocally no in reference to his statements at the exit interviews, which were basically like, I don't want to play with a bunch of 19-year-olds. He went to Dame's camp and said, has that, has that changed at all? And he was told unequivocally no. Dame does not want a youth movement. He wants to play with vets. He wants the team to upgrade fast and get vet players that can help him now. Yeah. It's just I mean, hard to imagine a scenario where this isn't like, I feel like we can all see where this is headed unless there is some huge trade. And, you know, we talked about Paul George. I think the more interesting one is Zion and uh, Sean Hyken, who we've had on Slam and Jam before he uh, on Rose Garden report tonight said he thinks that the Zion idea of all of these trade ideas have been floated for the number three pick. He thinks that is the one that has the most legs. Is what, is what he said. If I was a Portland fan, I would be super scared of that happening. Of, of trading for Zion? Yeah. I, but see, I think it's like a, a much easier sell. Like a, as opposed to trading for Siakam, who's on expiring, no, Gianobi on expiring, no, uh, Jalen Brown well. expiring, Paul George expiring. If you trade for a 22-year-old all-star, all star, twenty two years old. Is he twenty two? Uh, 
Is he about to turn 23? He seems like... Uh, but yeah, anyway. Uh, yes, he is on July 6th. Happy birthday, Zion. He is 22 and 349 days old. Yeah. Uh, um, if you trade up him, enter it, he just completed the first year, I believe, of his max contract. So he has four yeah. years left. Like at least so you have some roughly hundred and thirty games. I know. Yes, there are all those concerns, but, but those those are like big concerns to me. Like they are big concerns. But what? When else would you be able to get a player that you know can play at the level that he played at at age twenty two? Like it just doesn't happen. Like for all of Zion's faults in terms of like injuries and not, it might happen. Sorry, maybe, maybe. But for He's, all of his faults, like yeah. he, there's no doubts about him as a basketball player. Like people are kind of universally, yes, Zion's awesome. When he's playing basketball, he's awesome. And we have seen players like this. Joel Embiid did not play his first two seasons. He barely played in his third season. And then eventually all the injury stuff just kind of worked itself out. And yes, he has still had injuries. But he's been able to play, obviously, at an MVP level this most recent season. So yes. I understand it would be a risk, but it's a risk I'd be much more willing to take than any of the other options that have been discussed. Even something like Brandon Ingram, who I believe is on a, a longer deal. If, if the goal truly is to try to build a core that has a, any shot in hell of winning a championship with Dame, I think you have to go with the highest upside player available. And that definitely is Zion. Of all of all the options that have been mentioned, yeah, it's um, it's weird to me that I'm reading um, Dame does not want a youth movement, and yet you basically switch an 18 year old <laughs> guy for a 23 year old guy. Difference. With that's three years difference, yeah. Michele. Okay, yeah. it's a big deal. That, that's not enough for me, but it's um, and he's about to be 23. Okay, so yeah. that's four years difference. I would actually prefer. To, to go the Ingram route, yeah. um, maybe getting in some additional like side player like Herb Jones-Son or like... Oh, you're uh, getting greedy now. This is this is No, it's, it's the number two pick. Uh, to me, it's... Um, it, you're it's already reasonable. probably going to have to send them back like Simons, who doesn't really make a ton of sense next to CJ. because I mean, that's kind yeah. of just creating like, you know, the yeah. small backcourt yeah. of Dame's past. But, but back to Adebayo, because that, that's, yeah. that to me is quite interesting. Um, I don't think that Miami is just, yeah, Adebayo is not, you cannot touch him. I, I think that there is a price for a guy like that. Um, he he doesn't make Jimmy's life super duper easy in terms of basketball fit. Um, he's a great defender. He's a guy that, I mean, can really, really play. Um, is he untouchable uh i don't know it depends on the return so do you see that as an impossible trade to make um, well it's just right when that story came out like every heat reporter just immediately tweeted about it and was like miami would never do this bam is essentially untouchable for this okay and i sort of get it because they are an older team like can they really pivot to younger in a way that makes sense for them going forward um i mean they just they gave butler that big deal yeah i'm not saying that they they need to go younger 
Uh, and but that would and, be the consequence of doing this deal because I'm assuming you're trading for the number three pick. Yes, probably Simons. Yes. Um, is there a way where I get that package and I reroute Simons somewhere um, and get a guy like Brook Lopez on my team? Just, just like, just, yeah, just a player of that caliber. Yeah, is is that a worse team next year? It depends heavily on how Scoot Anderson is, um, or, or Brandon Miller. I'm not convinced that that is a team that has in the next three years a worse title odds than, than a team like that with Bam. So to me, it's something that I would personally uh, try to see. Uh, I think in one of the yes, yes, I would I would actually think about it. Um, I I think that Miami has to think. Okay, now that I'm that I'm punting on Bam and and Jimmy together, I I better have an option that is ready right now because Jimmy will not uh, be happy with Brandon Miller or Scoot Anderson being what I get back from from that trade. Uh, I think that's going to get traded to Portland. Exactly, exactly. No, that 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 is. But, but I think that one of the issues that Miami had um, in the playoffs when they it was heavily reliant or solely reliant on them having good nights in terms of shooting. Right. As soon as the shooting went off, they were not able to win any games um, against anybody, basically. And that, to me, is centered on two principles. Like, one, uh, they they don't have a good spacing on the court. Uh, and, and B, um, I mean, the two-man game between Jimmy and... Um, and bam works well when there is a little bit of space in the court. So it, it, it's actually one point uh, in two bullets. Um, uh, and so, yes, they have a great defense um, with these two on the court. And if you remove one of the two, it, it becomes way more complicated to build uh, a championship level defense. Um, but you can unleash a better version of Jimmy if there is a little bit more space on the court. So to me is unlikely yes uh would i say oh no 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 i i mean jimmy and butler are the foundation of a, a championship team right now and we we have to just try it another year as is i don't know i do understand it from their fans perspective because it's like they've just in the last four years they've been to two nba finals and an eastern conference finals like it's yeah. it, i could imagine as a heat fan you're like we're right there like yeah. forget it, forget us being an eight seed. Like we have been one of the most consistent playoff teams in the league over this yeah. over these last four years with these two guys. So yeah. what is the like impetus for breaking this up right now? So I I, I understand that, even though I I get what you're saying. Um, we were talking about that you might be more interested in Brandon Ingram. I just wanted to bring up real quick this uh, Will Guillory story from the Athletic. About uh, it's, it's titled Zion Williamson probably in parentheses won't be dealt by Pelicans, but recent trade rumors say a lot. And it's a really interesting story. But one of the things he brought up was that on the day those rumors came out, Brandon Ingram was at Game Five, the finals with Herb Jones and uh, Willie Green, the head coach. And one of the things he talks about in this study is just about how everyone in that organization loves Bi and like sees yeah. him right here young players who have praised his leadership in recent years. So that's one of the reasons why I think 
that would be more surprising. Some of the other details in this article um, surround Zion's weird relationship with like the head trainer for the Pelicans and how that has been an ongoing issue since his rookie year. And they, the Pelicans just made a change to swap out that person. Um, so they're going to have a new trainer. Um, but the, he also, Will Guillory also talks about Teresa Witherspoon being uh, let go and how she had been like a mentor to Zion through these, these first couple of years of his career. He basically was saying that they probably won't deal him, but he, he used the example of Ja. He said, even with everything that's going on with Ja, if there was a trade rumor out there about Ja being traded from Memphis, Memphis would immediately come out and shut that down. And yeah. you haven't really heard anything from New Orleans about shutting these rumors down. Like, if, if anything, they've only just continued to fester over these last couple of days. Today, there was like some denial, mm-hmm. um, but it, like it took a while for, yeah. for, for that to happen. And you're talking about a, a former number one pick, a guy who's been an all star, like everything that I talked about earlier with him. It's just interesting. You feel like with any other team, with their superstar, that would have been an immediate shutdown, which makes me think maybe it's possible. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely possible. I'm not saying that um, I would not do it if I'm New Orleans. Uh, it's the receiving part that scares me. So I, I completely feel. Oh, so you uh, want it? You, you're you're saying, yeah, give me Scoot. Um, would you would like you do that? The deal? Pelicans are a team that I mean, with with Miami, I completely agree with what you were mentioning. Like we are. Like what you're saying, like this, this, like partnership works. Like they, they are in the finals. The Pelicans, as is, are constructed in a way where if Zion missed the time that is missing, they miss the spark to really be a team that wins at a high level. And yeah, if if they see themselves as a team that hey, we. We need more stability. We can't be always in this time of the year, like not having a team because we prepare to have a sort of team and we just we just don't. Um, I can see them saying, "Okay, what's what's the best value we can get for for Zion? Uh, is this putting us anywhere?" And I'm not saying that Simons and the number three pick are actually changing things, mainly because of how the roster is constructed today. But uh, but like. It's not something that would say, "Oh no, 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 no!" I'm, I just, I just can't discuss it. And I just put the uh, Pelicans' salary up on the screen because this is something a lot of people have been talking about: the fact that you have CJ with three years left, somewhere around a hundred million. Mm-hmm. You have Bi with two years left. Everything I just said, they're probably going to sign him to a, a huge deal coming up. He'll probably be making fifty million a year within the next couple of years. And then you have this Zion deal, which is somewhere around thirty-six to forty million every year yeah. for the next four years. For a small market that hasn't made the playoffs, that is a, yeah. that is a big commitment. I, sh- I shouldn't say hasn't made the playoffs. They they didn't make the playoffs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. They they're not steadily in the playoff yeah. conversation, and they they will pay Trey Murphy. Sure, yeah, absolutely, yeah, and Trey Murphy as well. But they ha- they haven't been a team like they haven't made a noise necessarily. Like they had that very nice series against the Suns, and that was great. Mm-hmm. But for how much? This they are paying for this core going forward. They're they're paying this core like it was like uh, Memphis, you know, where you're paying yeah. like Ja, Bain, and Triple J. But you've seen that team have some moments in the playoffs already, you know, win yeah. a series at least. And so I would understand it from that perspective. It, it is just like a huge that is a huge decision, 
And yeah. some of the some of the New Orleans uh, writers have been writing about this, about how big of a moment that would be for the franchise, especially coming off of the Anthony Davis saga, like to have another number one pick and then you trade him away within like a few years. That, yeah. that would be it would be bad optics, whether it was the right yes. move or not, and they would probably yes. get killed for it regardless. However, if Scoot is awesome, might not matter. Um, okay. Next, Scuttlebutt. We have so much Scuttlebutt. Evan Sittery. He is a credentialed Emmy reporter for Hire, uh, Forbes Sports contributor. Okay. He uh, posted this so that ESPN did some like uh, draft show tonight, and mm-hmm. Woj was on it. And he was pretty uh, direct in what he said about what the Hornets are going to do in this draft. He said the Hornets are preparing to select Brandon Miller at number two overall. Miller impressed Michael Jordan and company during his second private workout yesterday. Charlotte prefers Miller's fit alongside LaMelo Ball over Scoot Henderson. I, I kind of I thought the winds were changing the other way these last couple of days. I was like, okay, yeah. okay, they're going with Scoot. And maybe they still are. But this kind of a report makes me feel like, oh, man, they're really going to do this. Which my first thought with this is like, this is what Portland needs. Like Portland needs this to happen for yeah. this third pick to really uh, maximize its value? Um, yes, to a degree. I do think that Miller has, I mean, it depends when you, when you, when you trade that pick. So it's, if it's on draft night um, before the pick to happen, then, then it's probably whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it Scoot, I think has more shooters than Brandon. There is a difference, as I said before. Um, for the Hornets, I mean, I don't support this. Like, it's... Uh, I mean, either you do, have... Do you like Brandon Miller? Like, if, if you had your I own do. personal I big do board, would you be very high on it? Um, I, I can't cope with um, off-court stuff. Like, to me, it's not that I value them or not value them. I, I, just, I just don't know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, on court, like for a team like OKC, he would be a dream. Like he would be so much fun. Like hosting nine trees per game, like just being this smooth six nine guy who can do a lot of things with the ball. Um, and I can see the fit with uh, with Lamelo for sure. But like Lamelo is a guy that can really benefit for having other guys creating easy shots for him as well. Like it's not something where the the feat is not seamless with a guy like Scoot. Like Melo is a good Lamelo is a good shooter. Like he's a guy that can space the court. They have PJ, who's a guy that can space the court. I think it's you can easily um building a, a roster of shooters alongside um Scoot Anderson and Lamelo Ball and you have a great team. So the fit to me there it's like come on, you're not talking about a non-shooting point guard that you have and you can see a questionable fit with Scoot. You already have a team that can't shoot the basketball. Like, just get the guy who's better. Like, yeah. to me, it's the the thing that's weird to me about this is I think it was on it might have been on the Woj pod. He had Jonathan Gavoni on, I feel like, and they were talking about how Charlotte, like, we don't really think of them this way, but they, similar to OKC, kind of like shut things down around the draft, and not a lot yeah. of it comes out of there. Yeah. So the fact that Woj is like this certain does kind of make me like wonder what's going on here. Like yeah. why would, 
they put this out. On the other hand, like I don't really know what the incentive for them would be to do a smoke screen on Portland. And then to draft school, I mean, just to mess with them, I guess. I mean, well, kind of Portland fun, can but. can benefit from that, so that that may be part of. Hey, Bosch, you need to do it to to put it out there. You will be the first who hears where the number three pick goes. Yeah, yeah. I would, um, but but I'm very interested in this. If it feels, yeah. it's starting to feel a little bit like the Jabari thing last year, where <laughs> it's just like so certain. And like all the odds just flipped after Woj did this. And now Brandon Miller is the heavy favorite. And I'm just interested to see if that changes at all over these next yeah. couple of days. We're really close to draft right now. So it's, yeah. Um, okay. Next. Also from Evan Sittery. I just thought this was interesting. I hadn't heard this yet. This is from uh, Gambo, John Gambadoro, who's a big uh, talk show guy in Phoenix. Oh, he's the guy. He's the like, guy. Yeah. And look at that. Uh, top photo is Lake Como, Italy. What well, nice. Huh? Huh? Nice. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah. The Suns are not finding proper value for DeAndre Ayton and are leaning towards keeping him next season. I think there's a really good chance DeAndre Ayton ends up staying with the Phoenix Suns. Uh, I just think that's interesting because, you know, part of why I didn't want to overreact to the Beal trade was I always had this assumption like, even if they don't get a huge haul for DeAndre Ayton, they can probably trade him for some rotation players. Yeah. And if they brought in two or three rotation players, I mean, talking like amazing guys, but just better than what they had last year, which is a pretty low bar to clear in some respects, I would feel a lot better about the Beal trade. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, at least for right now. So I just wanted to bring that up. Yeah, I mean, it depends on what Phoenix thinks about like being a proper Value. I mean, I think I can see an easy path to get three three guys from Atlanta, for example. Uh, that can be a place where you can get like that pieces uh, for Aiden. Uh, but if they feel that John Collins and whatever the corpse of Capella and 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 whatnot, uh, it's it's not proper value that I can see that being actually something that I would question myself. So um, it, it's not easy. Um, at some point, though. You can't, you can't surely wait until um, midway through the season. For the Suns, it will not be important where they are in terms of um, playoff positioning. And with those three guys, and Aiton, and just five rando that you that you pick up, you are probably good enough in the West to be in playoff contention by the trade deadline. Um, and if you, you are, but that, does Aiton's value? Could it could it go down further? Because now he's definitely the fourth option. Yeah, yeah, that that is a question. But I don't I don't see the usage going down a ton, especially because you don't have anybody who who can play for the bench. So I, I can see that being not a thing that depresses his value. Like he'll get thirty five minutes a night and he'll produce decently. Yeah. Um, Did you see the thing about uh, some Suns fans were talking about this that? You know, there, there's this idea that the Suns' ownership has decided they're going to bust through the second apron and they don't care and they're just going to go through it. And as part of that, they're going to sign their own guys to, like, for them, crazy deals just so that they have contracts that they can move going forward, which, which I'm just setting this up. This could mean Darius Baisley somehow just ends up getting a really nice contract this summer. 
well, because they yeah. just want to have a contract on the books that they can trade going forward. That would be nice for theirs. Um, yeah, yeah, he can okay. he can be a like a bench piece at three point five minutes. It's not necessarily the bench piece, the bench piece we want, but but hey, I mean, listen, I've never been a huge uh, base fan, but there were definitely times last year I was watching the Suns team. Like, why not try base at this point? Yeah, like, I mean, we we saw him have nice defensive moments, and especially on a team like this, like he doesn't have to do a lot offensively. Yeah. And if he can just tap into his defensive side, like why not? Uh, okay. We're going to skip these next two. Uh, oh, I, I just, you're a big Jairus Walker fan, right? I would not qualify myself as a big, I would not oh. use too many assets to trade up. Okay. Well, I just wanted to bring up that uh, Evan Sittery talked to Jairus Walker and he's only worked out for the Rockets, Pistons, Magic, Pacers, Wizards, Jazz. Yeah. So uh, something interesting. Okay. McKinley has to go in a few minutes. And before he does, I wanted to bring this up. So Zach Milner, who's a draft guy on Twitter, he puts together this Excel file every year. And it is the three-point attempts and percentages for NBA threes. So the above-the-break mm-hmm. threes, he goes through somehow and counts them. They have to be longer than 24 feet. And then he also has another thing for corner threes and then the total attempted. And it's really interesting. And uh, so this is like all the years that he's done it. He combines everything. One guy yeah. I just wanted to uh, quickly uh, pull out. I don't, I don't know how much you looked through this. Uh, but one guy I wanted to mention real quick was Trey Mann. Because yeah. Trey Mann at Florida, 44% on NBA above the break threes and then 40% yeah. from corner threes. Now, a lot of these guys are on super low volume. Okay. Yeah, which for Trey Mann, that is the case. But yeah. Yes. But... What I did for uh, for all years and then and then also this year is I was just sorting by like most attempts, just to see like who who attempted a bunch, and to give you an idea that like this isn't necessarily predictive of how things are going to turn out. Anthony Edwards at Georgia took yeah. 110 above the break NBA threes and shot 25 percent on those shots. Yeah, he has obviously turned into a nice player, so you can't freak out about these too much. Um, but I did think it was interesting, you know, like Brandon Miller. Alabama took a hundred above the break NBA threes this year, shot 35%, shot 29%. That's not bad. Like, what? It's not bad. Volume. It's not bad, but don't you also feel like he needs to be like a, an elite shooter? Isn't um, that part of the sell on him? Can you quickly pull Jabari Smith? Okay. Yes, I will. I have to, uh, I'm going to have to sort here. So Jabari didn't take as many as you would think. Cause I thought he took like a ton yeah, and compared no. to Brandon Miller, he did not. So Jabari Smith took only 34 NBA above the break threes. Again, Brandon Miller took 100. Yeah, that, that to me is the number that interests me the most. The attempt. Like, yes. Um, yeah. In this setting. percent on those. Yeah. Um, if, if you have a guy like Brandon Miller who's able to hoist 100 threes from that range, um, first of all, you... you this is something that I don't think uh, it's in this file, but you, you should really try to separate which one are off the dribble and which one are spot up opportunities. Because in college, uh, it happens that when you take those trees um, far away from the three point line, it's actually when you're like creating a shot from there. 
uh, for Trey Mann is actually the case. For Brandon, it can be both. Uh, used to to space the court even as a, a guy that's that like stations way far from three point nine, uh, just to to give his teammates a little bit more space. But there are a decent amount of opportunity off the dribble, and if this is the combined result that you get, mm. that is a great number. Like if you can have a guy that is shooting at a low thirty pull up in college from three plus maybe an above uh, 35, like 37, 38 in spot-up opportunities, which I think from the top of my head uh, that it is what Brandon shot in, in college, maybe a little bit less from the dribble and a little bit higher in spot-up opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, then Again, the number of attempts is what interests me the most. I, I don't have many questions about um, his ability to shoot the basketball at a high level. So let's go to just the 23 class, and I'm sorting by number mm-hmm. of above the break NBA threes attempted. Um, so there were a few names that stuck out to me. One of them was Julian Strother from Gonzaga, took yep. 95 above the break threes and shot 41%. And yep. these are NBA threes that he shot at Gonzaga and then yep. shot 42% on 19 corner threes. Overall, for his, all of his NBA range threes, he shot 41% which is yeah. super impressive. Yeah, it's super high. I see Potemki there as well with a great, yes. not great percentage. Hawkins, great percentage. I mean, I, I, I see a lot of guys that are extremely interesting as shooters. Um, as everyone probably knows, uh, I really like Jordan Hawkins. I really value shooting. Um, I'm not as high on Potemki because like, yeah, it's not in in you know KC range, nor is Strother. But these are guys that I think, for um, especially Strother, probably um, because he's a kind of a versatile wing with a little bit less defensive concerns than a guy like Pozemski. Um, I think that these are guys where these stats is actually very interesting. Like if I have a pick between twenty five and thirty five, I actually think, hey. Uh, let's see if this starter can be just um, a 3D with, with potential. And if yeah. that is the case, he can be a Desmond Bain kind of guy. Um, because, yeah, the shooting is real for him. Um, again, the volume is also important. Like, this is a guy that took 95 deep trees in college in 32 games. It's not um, a negligible number of attempts. Yeah, I did want to point out real quick, Antoine Davis. I don't, I don't even know if he's being drafted or not. He's from Detroit. Person. I have no idea. He took 164 NBA above yeah. the break threes and shot 37.8% on them. Shot 52.5% on 59 corner three attempts. Yeah. Uh, those, that was just like the most insane number that I saw. Um, I guess Grady down- Dick doesn't have many attempts. Oh, he's there. Yeah, yeah. So let's let's find uh, Greedy Dick. He's there. Yeah, there he is. So he took forty three uh, above the break NBA three. Shot forty eight point eight percent. Yeah. Um, kind of disappointingly, only shot shot twenty eight percent on sixty four corner threes. But yeah, yeah that forty eight percent on forty three NBA range threes is uh, is also very impressive. Like a lot of them are transition threes, which just stops mm-hmm. and pops. Uh, this is the go-to shot of, of Gary Dick. Um, another guy where I don't have any any question about 
uh, the shooting going forward. Nor I have from the two guys like uh, Kobe Bufkin and Jalen Hudskifino. Uh, they are both shooters. I yeah, I just can't cope with the fact that um, Jalen Hudskifino is really someone that I don't trust making the decision with the basketball. Whereas our guy Kobe, um, it's a different story. I mean, you have a guy that's shooting seventy percent from the. Uh, layup line basically uh, at the basket and on top he's a very good shooter with deep range uh he didn't took a ton um but i i really trust uh kobe buffkin i thought this was interesting taylor hendrix only took 31 above the break nba threes and only took mm-hmm. only shot 26 percent on those yeah um, he did obviously we're, we're getting now into like the lower attempts yeah um the another one that stuck out to me cam whitmore shooting 18.5% on 27 yeah. above the break NBA range threes. Yeah. Uh, Anthony Black shot better on above the break NBA range threes than Taylor Hendricks. He shot 30% on 23 yeah. attempts versus 25% on 31 attempts for Hendricks. Yeah. And uh, Anthony Black shot 39% on 23 corner three attempts. Look, um, Look. <laughs> I, 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 I want to, to put this out there so that when he's uh, an amazing three-point shooter, people can actually come back at me and, and, and bite. Yeah. I've, I've watched every shot that Anthony Black took in college uh, multiple times. Um, and the thing that scares me is that when he makes it, it looks okay. When he misses, it looks very bad. Like we're, yeah. we're talking about very bad air balls from the corners. I saw him taking in one game a shot that was just a cotton shot, just net, and then the, the next attempt, like unguarded, was like four feet away. Like that may mean two things. One is that tweaking his shot mechanics, like they did with Ludort, can fix a lot of that. Or B, that, I mean, it's just not going to work. Because at some point, uh, the last name I highlighted here. Do you have any strong opinions on uh, Bilal Koulibaly shooting two for six on uh, oh, yeah. range threes? It's a great percentage. Okay, I would buy that. <laughs> and uh, Rayon Rupert, two for five. That's 40%. Also very I, good. I think, for some reason, I think that Rayon doesn't have a bad, bad shooting motion. I, I actually think it's, um, it's not bad. It's, it doesn't need to be reworked. Um, okay, before you leave, Michele, do you have any predictions for draft night? Because it's probably the last Thunder? time you're going to record a pod before the draft. Um, I fully expect OKC not to draft my top three guys in the draft, which are... In, in that range, Kobe Bufkin, Gray Dick, and Jordan Hawkins, probably in this order. Okay. Um, I expect there will be trades. I would put the over-under at lottery trades at probably 2.5. Okay. Um, and I don't think that OKC moves. And if I have to make a bet on who to draft... It's probably someone who's who lives closer to me than closer to me than you. Um, so, you're which, you, <laughs> so that's uh either Wembenyama, uh, yeah, 
Bilal or Rayon? Yeah, it would make sense to me. Um, um, drafting a wing is probably what I would see them doing. And I don't see many other guys that like they, they can they can be lucky and have Osar Thompson there. That is something that I can see happening, especially yeah. if Bufkin goes high. Okay, so I'm gonna I don't care about the top four picks. Who cares? Number five, Anthony Black. He's gonna go to the Utah Jazz. I, I totally buy into the idea that the Pistons are gonna trade back with the Jazz hmm. for nine and sixteen. They're moving up for Anthony Black. I uh do you have to move up? For Anthony Black? Hmm. I think so, because I think that the report was that they're trying to get ahead of the Wizards. They, who they okay. think really want Anthony Black. Um, I think instead of Anthony Black, the Wizards will take Kobe Bufkin at number eight. Yeah. You feeling good about that? Feeling good about I that actually start to buy into Sam Svesini's rumor of yeah, Bufkin is not going past Washington. Okay. Um, I think Asar Thompson is going to fall to nine to uh, the Detroit Pistons who have moved down in the scenario. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's as, prob- it probably means that Great Ake, Taylor Hendricks are there available at 10 and 11 if this uh, is the case. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I... I have zero feel for what the Thunder could do. Uh, so I am just going to shot in the dark this. And I'm going to go back to Leonard Miller. Oh, okay. Like not inviting to the green room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's really next level stuff for KC. Yes. yes. But I don't see there's value there. Come on. Like, like it's if if that happens. Mm-hmm. I, I think it it will it can happen, but not at twelve. Like, come on, Sam, you have to you have to find value in like. Well, no, they'll they'll just put out a report that uh, someone at thirteen really liked him, and then we'll all be like, "Hey, they had to take him there." That's all you got to do. It's easy. Yeah, but no, like, come on, they invited hey. Jade up there. Uh, that's true. That's true. Uh, I picked someone. Did you actually pick someone? You have to give me a name. Prediction. A name. Um, a name. Can I? Uh, you have to oh. choose Bilal or Rayon because it but sounds I, like. But I don't want to do that. It's it's. Uh, you have to. It's your prediction. It doesn't mean that it's the guy you want. It's just a prediction. I know. I know. It's it's. Uh, I don't know. It's probably Bilal, but I don't. Okay, that's all. That's all I yeah. asked for. It's, it's uh, I know. Mikel, thank you so much for joining the Wednesday pod, recording on a Tuesday. Uh, it was lovely to have you, and uh, we'll talk to you again after the draft, which is on Thursday, and we are having a draft party at Fassler Hall. Uh, Andrew, or Down to Dunk, tweeted out the glasses that will be there. Uh, limited edition. They look very nice, I think, as far as glasses go. So uh, get there early, get a glass, get some food, and enjoy the draft with some friends. Maybe we will get a trade up. That's all I really want. If we, if, if we just get the Woj tweet. I don't even care if he knows who they're going to pick. If I, if I just see that tweet, 
the Thunder trading up, and I don't even care where it is. The Thunder trading up to 11. Would be more excited about the Thunder trading up or the Thunder announcing on draft night that they are signing Vasily Micic to uh, oh, a four-year um, <laughs> yeah, $36 passing, million. Dollars. Yeah, okay. They they pass on their pick. The time runs out. They don't even have anything. But they have Adam Silver come out to anat- announce the contract details for Micic <laughs> on the stage. And it's I would actually be okay in them signing Micic for $9 million per year, four years. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be very happy with it. Um, yeah. All right, Michele, you've got to go. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you, everyone, for watching. We had over 125 viewers tonight. And uh, we'll get this up on uh, Spotify as quick as we can. All right, see you all later. Enjoy the draft. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.